All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, everybody, and welcome to You Suck Network's What's the Difference podcast. I am Tom Bruno. Alex Whiteley could not be here this weekend. Um, his wife is his birthday. Happy birthday, Kaz. And for some reason, he thought he could get away with not being there. So instead of losing a, uh, a, a host uh, you know, permanently, we decided to bring in one of the classier members of the You Suck team. Um, everybody say hello to our good friend, Mr. David Rabe. Hello, everyone. Um, David, this is gonna be a good time. We've actually never done it like this before. It's always, um, you know, you, you might remember David, of course, from uh, Wednesday Night Live, yeah, or um, doing live shows or the Weekly Bazaar with Alex or Tom. Um, but I'm today, a bit nervous doing this one. Oh, don't be, man. It's it's really easy going. It's a good time. We we always have the, the most interesting people coming on for interviews, and today is no different. Um, I would like to introduce you guys to uh, Peter. Uh, okay, I'm gonna butcher your last name, Alessandria. Close enough, Alessandria. Yeah, darn it. I'm 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 normally not very good at that at all. So I'm I'm zero for fifty. Um, Peter <laughs> Alessandria. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um. So, um, you came to us um, via our good friends um, over at um. Oh, what the heck's it called? This is usually Alex's deal. But, um. Oh, what's TV the Gaspert? TV Gasper, thank you very much. See, you're already right. better at this than me. And you proved it by showing us your amazing camera this setup right off the bat. Peter's show. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. We're just here. We're all just living in Peter's world, which is a far cooler world than ours. Um, TV Gasper, who is, you know, as you guys might remember, has given us a, a litany of amazing guests, and today is no different. Um, so, Peter, you started off in one career and you jumped to another. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, sir? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll start at the very beginning. No, I won't. Please. So um, <laughs> I went to college. I'm from the New York City area. And Tom, I think you're from upstate New York. I am. Thank you for knowing that. I am from upstate New York. I'm from uh, so, Kingston. 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 Yeah, yeah, And yeah. That's, that's by Albany, right? Yes. Um, it's it's right next to Fishkill, which is the most you know beautiful of names for a town ever. And they, they had an IBM plant there, or they might even still. And my right, dad was- right. uh, What do they do in that town, I wonder? Um, they, they kill a lot of fish and they make it's computer a fish chips. Yeah. yeah, it's fish and <laughs> chips, you know, it's very UK. Um, my dad was an IBMer, um, he was an engineer for a long time, and then they opened a plant up here in Vermont. And they're like, Hey, who wants to move for an obscene amount of money? And my dad's like, I do. So I went from being a New Yorker to uh, to being a Vermonter, I guess. But if you ever ask a Vermonter, I'm not a Vermonter. I'm a Flatlander, even though I'm from New England. I don't know how that works. But you, sir, are from the amazing Empire State as well, huh? Well, yeah. So I grew up in the New York City area. And the reason mm. I mentioned upstate New York is I went to college in Binghamton, New York, which you may know. Oh, yes. And then I went to grad school for law school and for graduate business school in Buffalo. Um, I went to uh, Buffalo over the summer with the family. I've, I've never been there because it's the complete polar opposite of, uh, of New York. Everything that I've experienced is primarily on the East coast of New York. And we went to, uh, we went to see the falls. It was, it was pretty cool. I, I gotta say it, everything they say about them is true. It's a big body of water that's going over a cliff. 
Well, so Niagara Falls is great, but you don't want to be there in the middle of January. And the reason mm -hmm. is, you know, you get that cold weather, but you also get what they call the lake, in, the, the lake effect snow. So that's when the snow squalls come off of Lake Erie and they dump like 20 to 30 inches of snow in very specialized, in very specific locations. So I get basically, basically what happened for me was I was going to grad school. I was going to law school and business school up there in Buffalo. And my third year, uh, I went to visit a friend of mine who was living in San Diego. I had gone to college with this guy. There's and a town so I know. Yes. Oh, in California. <laughs> when I got on the plane in Buffalo, it was like 30 degrees and we had about 15 inches of snow. And this was March. This was late March. I got off the plane in San Diego and it was 75 degrees and sunny. And he pulled up in a convertible Corvette to pick me up from the airport. And I was like, dude, you live this way? You know, because I had never been to California before. <laughs> So that sold me on, on the Golden State. And so I decided what I did was uh, after I graduated from, from law school, actually before I even finished graduation, uh, I bought a one-way plane ticket for Los Angeles and I moved my whole life to LA. Oh, wow. And my vision, my goal was to become an entertainment attorney. And so what I did was I found a job at a law firm and because they didn't have any entertainment law classes in Buffalo, I had to learn from scratch. And the way I did that was by reading contracts. So I befriended a bunch of entertainment lawyers and I asked to read their contracts. And so I read contracts from the film industry, from the television industry, from the music industry. And that was how I learned entertainment law. Eventually what I did was I parlayed that into a couple of jobs with production companies that were actually producing film and TV projects. And it was at that time that I discovered the creative process because as somebody from New York and Long Island, I didn't know anything about filmmaking. I didn't know anything about television production. But one of the perks of the, of the job of being an entertainment attorney was I got to go on the set and see them while they're actually making the film projects. And that was so cool to me. It was so interesting to see the lights and the cameras and all of that. And I'll never forget, the first day on the set, uh, they had just started the first day of shooting. And on the first day of shooting, they were, they were filming the last scene in the movie. Which what, was the, uh, what was the project? Uh, it was a film called Three Wishes that starred Patrick Swayze. Oh. It was an independent film project. But, right. So that was so cool to me. It was like, because I always just assume that they film the project in the order that you see it, but they don't. Mm. No. The film based, I didn't know. What the heck did I do? <laughs> yeah. but, but what happened was, so I fell in love with the creative process. And this was in the 1990s when the independent film industry was just coming up. So mm -hmm. the Sundance Film Festival was becoming popular. Uh, and it was also the rise of digital video. So for the first time, you could make a video, a film video project on your laptop. And that was a big deal. Today, it seems like nothing. But back in the, in the you know, mid-90s, it was a big deal. Yeah. So I started, I was living in Los Angeles, and, and I started hanging out with all these independent filmmakers. And I kind of got the bug. It was like, I wanted, to, I wanted to do that, you know. So I taught myself lighting. I taught myself camera angles. I taught myself sound. And I wrote, wow. produced, and directed six short films. Oh, wow. Now, they never went anywhere, but they were so much fun. And this is a guy who I never took, you know, I never even took like an art appreciation class in college. I never took a photography class. I had no, my, my background was economics, law, and business. Mm. So here I am, <laughs> shot up on a movie set. I'm directing actors, you know, I'm, I'm editing the film on my laptop. And I just thought it was so cool. So that was the kind of the beginning of this journey for me. 
So then in 2008, uh, by that time, I had been working for myself for a few years, and I had my own law practice. And um, actually, we'll, we'll back, back up a little bit. In 2004, I picked up a still camera for the first time, because up until then, it was only video for me. Mm. And I picked up a still camera, and I fell in love with still photography. And I just became obsessed with it. And all I wanted to do when I wasn't working was just take pictures. And again, I taught myself lighting. I taught myself camera angles. I taught myself, you know, all the things that go along with photography. And then in 2008, the global financial crisis hit. Mm, now, yeah. we're living through the pandemic today. In a lot of ways, it's very similar. But, but that was the first time there was a major economic crisis like that in my lifetime. And what happened was I lost my law business. Within a matter of months, I completely lost. I went from a really nice six-figure lifestyle to nothing. Wow. And so I tried to resurrect that. You know, I was doing everything. I mean, at one point, I even sent out res – even though I had been a, an attorney for almost 20 years, I sent out uh, resumes to see if I could get uh, work as a paralegal just to help pay the bills. Wow. So, and, and nothing came. So I realized, you know, I, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And the more I thought about it, the more I kept coming back to the idea of photography. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, you know, because that's what I love to do. I was obsessed with photography at that point. And I'd gotten pretty good with my camera. And I thought, well, you know, if there's ever a time I'm going to do this, this is it. So I decided I was going to leave the law behind and pursue my, uh, my career as a photographer full time. I also decided to move back to the East Coast at that point. I moved to New Jersey. I'm about 45 minutes from Manhattan. I have family. My sister and her kids are right here. Where in uh, you don't have to get too, too, too specific, but I also have a deep connection to uh, South Jersey. All my family is from uh, Cherry Hill and um, West Deptford, right across the bridge from uh, Philadelphia. Well, here's what I'm in northern New Jersey. I'm, yep. I'm actually about 25 minutes from the New York, the New York state line. Gotcha. New Jersey. Um, I never knew how beautiful New Jersey was until I lived here. You know, I was kind of a New York snob and we never came to Jersey. You know, <laughs> I got to live in Jersey and, now? Shit. <laughs> you know, no we, yeah, we, we hung out in, in New York and, and uh, you know, the beaches on Long Island are beautiful. The Hamptons, Jones Beach, all that. So, so uh, what happened was, so I moved my whole life back to the East Coast. Okay, now I'm going to be a photographer. I'm all gung-ho. And for three years, nothing happened. Mm. And I was like, all right. Well, you know, first I thought, well, you know, it's got to be the economy because the economy was still really slow from the financial crisis. And I thought, mm -hmm. no, not really the economy. It, it must be because I don't have an education in art or photography. You know, I'm, I'm completely self-taught in both. Uh, that must be the problem. And I realized, no, maybe that's not it. And then it was like, oh, it must be all the competition from all the other photographers out there. I had all these excuses why things were not working out in terms of my business. And one day I realized none of that was the problem. The problem was not out there. The problem was in here. And what was going on in here was I had a very negative self-image when it came to being a creative person. Mm -hmm. I was filled with self-doubt. I was filled with fear of rejection, fear of criticism. And that conspired to keep me from putting myself out there, really. I had set up a couple of websites for my photography business. I was doing product photography. I was doing portraits and headshots. And I was doing some fine art photography. So I had those websites set up, but I wasn't doing anything really proactive to bring in business. Mm. And how, I was living you, basically. Oh, sorry. Good. Oh, was, uh, how'd you overcome that negative aspect of yourself? Like, what was it that well, you changed? 
you got to read the book. That's what the book oh, is about. There it is. <laughs> All right. So it, be bigger than you think you are, overcoming our self-imposed limits to have the life we want. And this tells the story of how I did it. And it took me three years. And I went from, I went from somebody who never won an award for anything in my life to someone who has won more than 70 awards for my photography. Oh, wow. I went from someone who never thought it was possible to see a photo of mine published in a newspaper or magazine to someone who's had photos published in newspapers and magazines around the world. Wow. Um, and from someone who never thought it was possible to even sell one image to someone who has sold uh, prints to collectors as far away as Australia. Oh, oh shit. And, and this was all because I changed how I saw myself. It, my, the basic premise of my book is that whoever we think we are is exactly who we're going to end up being in life. Hmm. And it's possible to change that. See, a lot of people think, well, no, I'm, I am the way I am because of my childhood or I am the way I am because of this or that. And I say, that's the beginning, but that doesn't have to define us. That doesn't have to define who we are in the world. Because I'll tell you, I went from somebody who thought I sucked as a creative person. I mean, that's the reality. I thought I had no talent. I thought people were going to reject me. I thought people were going to, you know, I was afraid to post photos on Facebook. I mean, that's how, that's how, <laughs> how paralyzed I was with fear because I thought they were going to criticize me. Now, the truth is some people do criticize me on Facebook and I know how to deal with that now. And I've actually turned that. That's, that's part of the last chapter of this book. Uh, is dealing with dealing with criticism and dealing with rejection and all of that. Mm -hmm. You would you would think with your background as being a lawyer that you'd be like, oh, well, the heck with that because I'll tell you right now, I can argue your way down from no, 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 my stuff is good, and let me tell you exactly why. No, no, you sit down for a second. I got a law degree. Don't you worry about this. By the time I'm, I'm done explaining, sure. you'll understand why I'm a good artist. But the like how he argues. Here, takes photos yeah, of his awards. He's like, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> let me Come show on. you Exhibit A. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what I found out. So since then, I've hung out with a lot of photographers and artists, people who are really talented. But all the talent in the world is not going to make a difference if you don't believe in yourself. See, a lot of people have a negative self-image from experiences when they were little kids that they never questioned. They never stopped and say, gee, is that really true about me? And instead, it becomes the subconscious program that runs our lives, and we're not even aware of it. Now, here's the thing. So I have not, you know, there are people who have overcome much greater things in their life. You know, um, I was, I watched the interview you and Alex did with um, Niall um, uh, McCann, I think yes. his name is, the National yes. Geographic guy. I mean, that guy's like, he's out there wrestling with anacondas and I mean, he's doing some really serious shit. <laughs> I don't have any of that. But what I have is this thing that when, since w whenever I talk to people about it, I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't have at least a little bit self-doubt, a little bit lack of confidence, a little bit lack of self-assurance. And what happens is that causes people to not try to have a bigger life, to have the life they want, and ultimately to not make the contribution that they can make. I mean, mm -hmm. imagine if somebody like Steve Jobs felt too insecure to put himself out there as, uh, as an executive or you know, a creative person and all of that. So, so what I found for me was the thing that was holding me back, the problem that the, the challenge that I had was between my own two ears. And so mm -hmm. I began on this journey of reprogramming and it's quite literally reprogramming my thinking and primarily my thinking about myself. The other thing that I learned guys was that I had to move from what I call being my own worst enemy to my own best friend because I was so self-critical 
See, what I found out later was I didn't have to worry about anybody else's criticism of me. It was only my criticism that was a problem. That must be At a real journey. Point, what's that? I said that must have been a real journey for, to being thinking that you're your own worst enemy to becoming your own best friend. To me, that is just almost impossible. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> In the book, dude. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna probably gonna order it as soon as I can. <laughs> what I what I did was actually this. What's cool about this is I set it up as a workbook. If you can see that, but at the end of each chapter, okay. there are questions. So so it's not only that you read it; it's that you actually do the exercises because that's where the change happens. Okay. And the other thing, if you want, if you guys if you guys want, uh, mention this to Alex. Every Wednesday night on Zoom, I do a free online workshop for anybody who's interested. So just okay. go to my website, bebiggertoday.com. It's all one word. And you'll see the, all the information on the book. There's a bunch of videos from every workshop is about 90 minutes long. And I, I tape that and I put the videos up there for people. And we, we're working through the book one chapter at a time. <clears throat> very, so, I got to say, that's uh, very generous of you considering the fact that, you know, you are, you know, you, you took the time, you wrote this book, you put your heart into it. You're trying to obviously, you know, make a couple shekels off of it because, you know, as much as we'd love to do things for free for people, the, the truth is the world revolves around money. And yeah. in your, you know, at least once a week for 90 minutes, you go through the book that you are selling, in fact, and you are giving it away in the most public way possible. I just got to say, it's very, it's very nice of you. Thank you. And, but I have to say the, the satisfaction for me comes when I see people, and I've seen this now, when people take the principles in this book and they apply it to their own life. And when they come back next week, they've made these little changes that over the months I see they're a different person. And bits of progress, huh? It's progress, yeah. And I always say the situation is never the problem. The things that challenge us in life, the situation is never the problem. The problem is always and only how we see ourselves in that situation. Mm -hmm. Now, that actually turns out to be good news because we often can't change the external circumstances and situations of our lives, but we yes. can always change how we see ourselves. So that's what this book is about. This is how to change your self-image to accomplish whatever you want in life. I don't, I don't care what it is. You know, some people want to be a, a creative person. Some people want to be a doctor. Some people just want to be a better family, uh, you know, parent or, or whatever. This applies to all of that because I've actually brought in about 30 years of my experience in kind of transforming my relationship, my relationships with other people, but most importantly, my relationship with myself. And I talk about things, I talk about things like self-love and self-forgiveness. And, you know, it's not stuff I hear anybody else talking about. And sometimes I think maybe I'm a little crazy, but that's been the difference for me. You know, it was going from, from hating myself to just being nicer to myself that I got the courage to start putting my work out there, which is how I won all those awards. It's how I got my photos published in the newspaper. There's a whole story about how I got my first photos published. And that was basically me saying, I, I cold called the, the, one of the biggest newspapers in New York City. I just cold called them. I asked to talk to somebody in the photo department. They put me through to one of the photo editors. I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm, a, I'm an up and coming New York City photographer and I would love to send you some of my photos. Maybe you want to publish them in the paper. Uh -huh. she, was, she was really nice. She, she, she gave me her email address and said, sure, send them. What year was this when that happened? Probably 2014. Oh, okay. Wow. It was really so, fairly recent. So, then. so yeah, he's been. He was at that point. You were doing photography for ten years, then, correct? I started full time in 2009. Oh, actually, okay. 2010. Okay. okay. Oh, wow. So for nine months, 
I emailed her photos almost two or three or four times a month, and I never heard from her. Nothing. <laughs> so I thought, wow, maybe she doesn't like my photos. And I thought, no, that's an old thought that I'm trying to reprogram. I don't know mm -hmm. what she's thinking. I don't know how she feels about my work. So the only thing I can do, because the other thing I say, there's no guarantee of success in life, but there is one guarantee of failure, and that's if we give up. Right. So I said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop sending them photos until she tells me to stop. So I just kept sending them and sending them. And, sending. and then one day I got a phone call from her and I didn't even know it was from her. I thought it was from, you know, I thought it was a spam call. I didn't even, I thought it was like, <laughs> and it turned out it was this newspaper and they said, oh, we love that photo you sent last week. We want to run it in the paper on Sunday. And I was uh -huh. like, I, that's, that was my response. I was like, wow, you know. <laughs> And, and then she says, how much do you charge? And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't well, know. Nine months of ignoring me, let's see, times. <laughs> so, yeah, $1 million. You know, it was really important for me to not cop an attitude like that. It was really right. important for me to stay out of the resentment because resentment derails so many things in my life. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn not to go there. And it taught me to believe in myself. It taught me about persistence. It taught me about not giving up. So, so what happened was they ran the photo in the paper and then they started calling me. They saying, did you get any photos of the fireworks last night over in New York city? Or did you get any photos of that, that storm? So it went from me not hearing from them to them calling me to see if I got any photos. <laughs> they ended up publishing, they ended up publishing uh, 11 of my photos in the paper. And it was all because I didn't take no for an answer. I didn't give up. I didn't cop that attitude. I just kept at it. Persistence. And well, to be totally fair, though, it's not just because that. It's also because I'm going to bring up a couple of them right now. Um, they are some of the most amazing photos I've ever seen in my life. Um, this one right here. Oh, wow. can, you, can you give me a little bit of uh, information about this picture? It's uh, obviously the New York skyline with an amazing bolt of lightning. Uh, do you want to tell me about that? What happened? I have a whole collection of those photos. So basically, <laughs> there's this thing in the Midwest where they go storm chasing. You know, they go after the tornadoes and stuff like that. Yeah. We don't have tornadoes, in, in, uh, in obviously. Well, we actually do have a few, but not in the New York City area. But what we do is we, I track the weather. And basically what happens is lightning always strikes the, the tallest point. It's hmm. the, path, the path of least resistance. So I know that when there's a big storm coming through, we usually get them in the spring and in the late summer, sometimes in the fall. I track those storms on my app on my phone, and I set up cameras, usually two or three cameras, and I set them up on the World Trade Center, which is the tallest building in New York City, the Empire State Building, and then maybe one or two other buildings. And we watch as the storm comes through, and I have the camera set to, to, flat, to take a photograph when the lightning flashes. Mm. It's and amazing. that's how you capture those photos. The problem is you usually got to sit out in the rain for hours, you know? So <laughs> that, that was, my, that was my imagination. When Alex first sent me this picture, I'm like, I just see him huddled underneath a tarp, like just sitting there and being like, it's going to be worth it. It's over and over it. again. Just click, 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 <laughs> hoping for it. Well, yeah. I go, go home. I go home with like 2000 photos to get one. Wow. Because you never Jesus. know. Because lightning wow. goes fast. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 blink of an <laughs> eye and all that. It's they're they're very phenomenal. Let's bring up a couple more just because they are so incredibly good. They, um, yeah. What wow. what is going on with this photo right here? I can see the um. I don't I don't know what those lights are called. I know they're supposed to re, um to uh, resemble the, the, right? exactly the, the twin towers and all that. But where are you in a tunnel? What is this picture? So the lights that you see are called the tribute lights, 
and they're <clears throat> they're actually um, that's almost <clears throat> excuse me. That's almost a location in Lower Manhattan where the Twin Towers used to stand. So every year on 9-11 for 24 hours, they shine those lights. Now, if you look to the left, that tall building on the left is the New World Trade Center. So it wasn't actually built on the exact spot of the old Twin Towers because there's now a, a memorial there for that. Mm. Okay. And so these lights go for 24 hours. They, you can actually see these lights from space. You know, that's how intense wow. they are. And now where I am, I'm across the uh, Hudson River on, uh, in Jersey City in New Jersey. And this is a memorial. What you're looking at, I'm looking through this memorial that was constructed for the people from New Jersey who were lost on 9-11. Yeah, I could see the names on either side. Well, here's the thing. This is what's so interesting about that photo. I showed that photo in an exhibition in Jersey. And somebody came to that exhibition and they saw the photo and they looked really close and they saw the name of somebody's brother who was killed on 9-11. Yeah. And, and the brother contacted me and he, he bought that picture for his family because it has his, the, the brother's name Just, in there. Now, yeah. I had no idea. I'm, I get chills when I think about it. You know, I had no idea that it was going to impact him and his family that way. But that's what I love about photography. I have the ability to touch people's lives that I don't even know, you know, I have no way of knowing how my work is going to touch somebody else's life. And if I kept thinking that I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, they're not going to like me, I'm going to be rejected, I would never take those pictures and put them out there where people could see them. So that's why I believe overcoming our self-imposed limits, these, these negative thoughts and beliefs that many of us carry about ourselves is so important. Because you never no. know what kind of contribution you can make to the world. It's true. It's such a beautiful way to um, to. It's it's a beautiful thing that this person found this because you know obviously you know they lost somebody and they got this amazing photograph to um, commemorate and, and memorialize yeah. their their lost one that was lost. It's it's a beautiful thing, and not only that, it's it's a great thing that you came over the self doubt that you had and this you know this fear of being rejected, because otherwise we would you know you would you would not have the creative outlet that you have right now. And creative outlets are some of the only things that I feel keep a lot of us sane. You know, it, it's one thing to go and work a job, right? Like I, I build um, helmets for the military. And I know that I, when I do a good job, it's going on a soldier's head. It's keeping them safe in combat. And that's a really good feeling. And I, and I love what I do. But without this, without the podcasting, without the creative outlet that I have, I feel like I just lose my mind most days. Do you, do you feel that way? Well, here's the thing. So, yes. Absolutely. And when you turn that into a business, you know, now all of a sudden the stakes are much higher. <laughs> and, and also a lot of the stuff that I do creatively, I do for clients basically as, as a commission. So it's not what I want. It's what they want. Right. And so I've had to learn how to tailor my creativity to be of service to them to realize their vision rather than my own vision. And at first that was really hard because for 15, you know, for 10 years I had been doing photography for myself. And now because I'm getting paid to do it, I have to make sure that what I'm doing meets their, their, their standards. And it's not always how I would do it. Mm -hmm. I was so, say, do you, 
do you find that to be hampering towards your creative outlet? Because I mean, like, obviously you, you fell in love with photography just for the sheer joy of it and how it made you feel, not because you're getting any money for it. And of course the upside being that is eventually you started, you know, winning awards and making you money and you became renowned for such a thing. But I mean, when somebody calls you and they're like, Oh, I want you to get a picture of this dog. Does that kind of bring you down or does that make you feel good knowing that somebody wants your photo? doesn't matter what it is. I don't do pet photography. Um, <laughs> you, for kids. Uh, Price is right. I mean, I'd take pictures of anything. I, like, you want I'd to take pictures of the picture? pets all day. Yeah. <laughs> pets all day for free. It, 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 it's nothing against, nothing against pets and nothing against people who photograph pets. It's just not my thing. <laughs> but I, I will be honest with you. I mean, that was a bit of a challenge at first was to really say, wow, you know, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm providing a service and I have to make sure that it meets their needs. So uh, a lot of what I uh, that a lot of the stuff that I started doing was product photography. So I was photographing all kinds of products, and um, so I had to make sure that I was fitting into their plan. And it was a little difficult at first, but I eventually figured out how to how to navigate that. And and I separate that out from stuff like this. I mean, this is my fine art photography. The stuff that you're showing, that I do for me. And the great thing about this book is I've gotten to the point where I don't really care if people like it or not. You know, mm -hmm. my self-esteem is no longer contingent on what I think other people think of me. Mm. Now, another thing that's really cool is this book, right? So this is New York City Scapes. This is a collaboration between myself and six other New York City area photographers. Oh. And it's basically a photo book of the New York City skyline. Wow. That's amazing. And so what we have in here is the same, basically the same landmarks in the New York City area from seven different points of view. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's really interesting. And so, every one of them is different. So this book, the, the publisher came to me and said, we want to do a photo book with you. And I said, I said, that's great. But my idea is I want to get other people involved. I have this great network on Instagram. And mm. I have met so many cool people on Instagram, all these New York City area photographers. And I thought, I really want to do collaboration with my friends from social media. So I pitched it to the, the publisher, actually from Buffalo, this company, Amherst Media. And they said, sure, that sounds good. So I said, you know, I, I, I gathered up a bunch of my favorite photographers. And, and, and people say, who inspires you? And I always say it's the people that I see on social media that inspire me. You know, mm. it's not some famous photographer. I mean, Ansel Adams is great or whatever. But <laughs> I was going to ask like, you, who is he? Exactly. Ansel Adams, that's, that's who I think That's, like, yeah. that's the go-to photographer for everyone. Yeah, like, and, hey, and what's his, stuff, his stuff is great, but it's the people I see on Instagram every day. And I've gotten to know a lot of these photographers. And, you know, they don't do this for a living. You know, one of my favorite mm -hmm. photographers, he works for the New York City uh, Sanitation Department. <laughs> and, really? Yeah. And... <laughs> And, and, you know, there are people I know who are, who are um, housewives or, you know, whose, whose kids have graduated college and, and now they're looking for something that the parent is looking like for something to do with their time, a hobby. Yeah. And these people, they're out right next to me when it's snowing, when it's raining, when it's, you know, in the middle of the night. Because the other thing that we do is we chase the moon a lot. So I don't know if you have mm. any more of my photos, Tom, but I, I totally do. The moon. I, I got to love the moon to, to begin with. Oh, wow. Wow. What the fuck? That's we a time have, lapse, I'd imagine. That's a time lapse. No, no. Yeah, that's, a long exposure, right? That's about 12 minutes of um, time ex uh, elapsed there. And what that, that is, is, so cool. is the full moon rising behind the Empire State Building. <laughs> now, 
I have an app that tells me where the moon is going to come up each night and where it's going to go down. Mm -hmm. So I set up and I wait for that moon to come up and then I track it. Mm. Now, what happens is you can imagine in New York City, there's a lot of places, you know, I never, it's, it comes up in a different place every night. It's not like, mm. it's not like the same every night. So I never know until that day where I'm going to be. And I have to go on Google Maps. And I have to plot out the trajectory and all of that. And I often end, uh, end up in places that are either not so safe or <laughs> places, places that I don't belong. I've actually got stopped by the police 14 times in the last six years. It's a good thing you're a lawyer. Yeah. Well, I'm a lawyer, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm out in the middle of the night in places that I don't belong. What do you and, do with the camera uh, in the middle of the night? And and I, I say to them, I'm taking pictures of the moon, and they look at me like I'm fucking crazy. They say, I, they say we we've heard we've heard every lie in the book. We never heard that one before. Really? So what That's I do amazing. is I pull out my phone and I start showing them my photos, and and every time they're like, "Wow, you took that photo." So it goes from it goes from being totally suspicious of me to like, "Wow!" And now they follow me on Facebook and Instagram and all that. <laughs> oh, great! You have cops talking, you know. Shit, that's amazing. And now Peter has one of the biggest followers of uh, police activity, and he's like, everyone just wants to know. They're like, "Hey, did you get a, did you catch any crimes on your camera tonight, by chance? You could really help us out." Imagine. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of equipment do you use for this? Because I mean, like everybody just feels like they can go outside with their phone. And don't get me wrong, phones are amazing now. They have some pretty great cameras in there. You can do some amazing stuff with it. But I mean, obviously, if you want to turn this into a little bit more of a hobby, you need to put a little bit of money into it. What kind of uh, gear would you use, or do you use? Yeah. So uh, first, I would say, you know what? I mean, I love. Uh, it, it amazes me. Absolutely amazes me the creativity that I see with people who do use their phones. Mm. You know, and I just want to acknowledge anybody who's out there taking pictures with the phone. I don't I'm not a snob about it. I don't have an opinion saying, you know, that's not real photography. I know there are some photographers who feel that way. Mm. I think it's great. It's just it's just another way of expressing yourself. Right. Um, that said, I rarely use my phone for my for photography. Yeah. Um, I'm using high end Nikon cameras and lenses. So all the cameras I have, both my cameras are Nikon's. They have in, the interchangeable lenses, you know, so I have mm -hmm. the big telephoto lenses, I have the wide angle lenses and all that. So I'm constantly changing lenses, you know, um, and they're very high resolution. They're, they're called full frame cameras. So they have very, they have beautiful performance and all that. That's mm -hmm. the only way to get photos like this. You can't do that with a phone. Yeah. No. So, I've like tried. Blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the background, there's like, I think the moon yeah. is somewhere back there is. That white blinding light. Yeah, that's the moon. Yeah. Um, see, I I'm really glad actually that we're speaking to you today, Peter, because, um, I'm actually uh, embarking on something I'm not comfortable with. Like I'm very comfortable with this, this, the podcasting at all, the being on camera like this, I'm very comfortable on, I've been doing it for three years now and I love what I do, but, um, we we're trying to add new content to our website. And uh, one of the things that I volunteered to do, um, to step out of my, you know, comfort box one, but two also to be a bigger help to the network was I, I offered to start vlogging, uh, my daily day-to-day -day life because all of us, you know, part of the USAC network and what's great about it is we're from different parts of the globe. There's people over in the UK. Um, David's over there in California. I'm over here in Vermont and we all live different lives and we do different things every day. And I thought it'd be great if we started showcasing how we live our lives. Doesn't matter how mundane it might be. It doesn't matter what it is. Just it'd be cool to show people how we live and a little bit better um, to interact with the audience with. Now, 
I'm not super comfortable or confident myself with, you know, just walking around with a camera and just filming myself like I'm something important when I really don't feel that way. What kind of advice could you give to somebody like me who really needs to step up his game a little bit and really wants to have that full confidence of walking in a room and be like, yes, I'm doing this for a reason and I'm okay with it. All right. Well, after reading the book, <laughs> I knew it. The answer is in the book. After the book. Well, no, because it, it truly is. Look, look, Tom, I mean, you know, you have to decide for yourself. But for me, I really saw that it was just this, this, I, see, here's the thing. We have, we have this negative, many of us, not everybody, but we have, we have this kind of negative self-image that we don't question. Mm. Like, I just heard you say, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly what you said or how you said it, but it was almost like, well, you know, it was, it was, it was almost like I'm not good enough or people are not going to like it, or I don't really have something to contribute or, you know, something like that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I don't know. That's what I would say. You're a lawyer. You can say whatever you want to, man. I believe in you. Well, you know, so that's what I would say about myself. And I have to realize that's the first problem because as long as I'm walking around thinking, you know, I don't have anything to contribute. They're not going to like it. It's just more of the same you know, what's so special about me, that's the problem right there. Because, because that frame of mind stops us from making the effort, because it is effort. You know, none mm. of this comes easily. I, I Listen, being a lawyer was easy compared to being a photographer. I got to tell <laughs> <Really>? you, <something. laughs> oh, fucking worked my ass off as a photographer. So oh, so it was a lawyer you didn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He passed the bar, no problems. He's like, that was simple. Yeah. The photos is hard. It's amazing, it man. was. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it was. And here's the other thing. Yeah, I had to learn how to deal with disappointment. Mm -hmm. Because, so I've won, I think I've won 70 of, 74 awards for my photography. And I do a lot of public speaking. And, and so when I share that with a group, usually if it's a group of photographers or students, I say I've won 74 awards for my photography. And I can see everybody in the audience, their faces light up. And then I say, but for every one of those awards, there's been at least five failures, rejections, and disappointments. Right. And then all of a sudden, their face goes down. And I know it's because we don't like to hear about failures, rejections, and disappointments. Mm -hmm. But welcome to life. You know, very few people that have that success the first time out or even the fifth time out. Mm. Now, you guys did an interview with Brian Graydon, the guy from the MTV Networks and all that. We you absolutely know, did. And and he seems to have had, he has a pretty good success record, but he even talked about some of the projects that didn't work out. You know, we all face that situation where things don't go the way we think they're supposed to go. And then we have to make a decision. Hmm. This was what, this is what happened with that newspaper. I had to make a decision. Am I going to stop sending my photos and put my tail between my legs and feel sorry for myself because I haven't heard from them in nine months hmm. or Am I going to continue to stay on track with my vision, believe in myself, believe that I have something, something important to contribute? And here's the thing. I tell you, not everybody loves my photography. And when I first found that out, They're I, was crazy. Shocked. <laughs> I, I was shocked. But that's just the reality. You know, it's like not everybody's going to love me. Not everybody's going to love my work. But mm. when I love myself and when I believe in myself, it doesn't matter. Right. Of course, I want people to like my photography. I want people to buy my book and do all of that. But I no longer hinge my sense of self. I no longer hinge my value and worth as a person based on what I think other people think of me. 
Do you ever think of yourself as the real life Peter Parker, by the way? Because I just see like that person being J. Jonah Jameson being like, get me pictures of Spider-Man. I don't want the New York skyline just hammering away at the desk and stuff and just shooting your stuff down for that time. And then finally coming across that one amazing photo where they called you up and then like, oh, we want to run this in the paper. Um, it, can you uh, can you go in a little bit more depth? Like, what's that? What's that feel like after all that work and all that effort and all that time and all of a sudden getting the phone call you've been waiting for this this long period? What what would that feel like? Well, let me tell you. Let me give you another story. So another example Please. of this. So, um, you have any fireworks photos? That I do. I sent Alex, just show I, a couple of those because I will. there's a story totally behind that. Okay. So um, one of the cool things about New York City is that we have these fireworks displays over the over the Manhattan skyline. No, that's not it. And every, I think it's in January, late January, early February. There's the lunar new uh, lunar New Year celebration, which is a Chinese New Year. He didn't send and, me. Any, sorry to cut you off. He did not send me any fireworks. He sent me a lot of the uh, of your work, and that's in the, in the paper. He sent me a lot of the uh, of the the Statue of Liberty, which, by the way, my son saw when I was prepping the show. Um, he came by, and prior to COVID, um, he wanted to go see the Statue of Liberty so bad. He knew Daddy came from New York. Um, he loves the Statue of Liberty for whatever reason it is. I don't know what point because he's life American. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm American. I should love that big lady that came from France. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but he, um, he loves Statue of Liberty and that was going to be his birthday gift last year. We're coming up on his, the one year anniversary of him asking to go see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So I'm gonna send you, Tom, I'm going to send you a print for him. Let's see if you can oh, see this. Wow. So can you see this photo? Yes. Oh, wow. Very well. That's fucking amazing. That's a Statue of Liberty. Yes. That's amazing. I'll send you a print for him. Holy shit. What's his name? Uh, his name's Deacon. All right. Let's make sure I get your info before we finish. Thank you so, so much, Peter. That's that's going to blow his mind. And his, his birthday you. is literally in two weeks. And this is going to, I mean, don't worry. I don't expect it to get here in two weeks, but like that, <laughs> going to blow his mind having something like that show up. And I'll make sure I get a reaction video of him opening it because he just is obsessed with the Statue of Liberty. And then once again, I don't know what happened or what, like I, maybe it was, um, I, we used to make a big deal. Like, like I said, we travel up on down the East coast a lot and we always drive through, um, uh, what is that? 91 going up, uh, going up through 89, 95. Thank you very much. My wife is the one that drives, not me. Um, and we always make a big deal about trying to see the Statue of Liberty off in the distance as we drive on the highway. And he was always like, oh, can you see it? Can you see it? And he's always like, I can see it. He tells me on a daily basis because we live across the Canadian border that he can see it in the distance. I was like, yeah, sure, buddy. Whatever you, whatever you say, that's not Canada at all. That's the Statue of Liberty. I promise you. I can do this one if you like too with the moon. Oh wow! Yeah, whichever one you want to, Peter. I mean, I I appreciate it so much. You have no idea how kind that is, and thank you so much. And guys, I hope um, anyone that's actually watching the videos right now can go and pick up New York City, um, New York New York Cityscapes, or at least pick up his book because uh, yeah, you're doing me a favor. Get both of them. Shit. Yeah, get well, both. Yeah, you can get, get both of these. Get both of these on my website, bebiggertoday.com. It's all one word. <clears throat> Be bigger today, and you can find both of them. Perfect. So what I was going to say about the, the fireworks shots was, so there was Lunar New Year, it was in February, and they do big, the Chinese American uh, Association, they do this big fireworks display. Hmm. So maybe six or seven years ago, I went and I was taking some photographs, and this is when I was still kind of finding my way with all of this. Hmm. And I came home and I looked at my photographs and I said, wow, these are really good. You know, I was, I was proud of myself. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, maybe I should find out who actually does the fireworks show. 
So I went online and I tracked it down to this company, this New York City, a Long Island based company called Fireworks by Grucci. And it turns out Fireworks by Grucci is one of the largest fireworks companies in the world. So I went to their website and I thought, I just had this idea in my head, you know, that, you know, I, I, I want to believe enough in myself. I want to believe that my work is good. And the only way I can prove that is if I take a chance, if I take, a, if I take an action that proves that that's how I see myself. Because remember, it's always how we see ourselves that determines how our life goes. Hmm. So I, I said, I found the, the company website. I went to the contact page and, I, and I, there was an email address and I, I sent about a half dozen of my photos from that night. I said, you guys did a great job. I just wanted to share some of my photos with you. Within 20 minutes, I got an email back and it was from the president of the company. For some reason, he was monitoring the company email that night. It was Grucci. Says, I, love, I love your photos. I want you on my team. Wow. I, was like, I was like, holy shit. You know, <laughs> so crazy. I, I ended up I ended up signing on as an official photographer for them. Uh, they sent me all over the world. They sent me to Dubai. They sent me to the Maldives, oh, you know, wow. photographing their performances. It was it's a great company. Great gig uh, They're You know, their business because of the pandemic. There's not much going on these days. Right. Uh, in terms of these public performances, hopefully it'll come back. But that was another example of me just saying. I have to change how I see myself and I have to take the steps to prove that I have this, you know, that I have this belief in myself and I wasn't expecting anything. And it turned into me traveling the world as an official photographer for one of the most important and, and preeminent fireworks that's companies true. in the world. That's incredible. So that's what I, that's the message I want to share with you guys and anybody who's watching. It's like, you got to believe in yourself, but it's, it's like, it takes for me, it took steps to get to that place where I actually believed in myself. And I still have it, guys. I mean, I've been working on this, the stuff from this book for so, so since it, well, let me tell you how the book came about. Please. Uh, yeah. I never set out, I never set out to write a book. So I was, um, this was in uh, February 2019. I was in Los Angeles. I was back in LA for the first time since I had left in 2009. Mm. And I was shooting a lifestyle. Um, uh, it was basically a product photography lifestyle shoot for a client. They do skateboards and stuff like that. And so they sent me to L.A. to shoot this campaign for them. And when that was done, I was going to go up to Northern California to Yosemite to take pictures of, of Yosemite because I had never been to that park before, even though I lived in California for 20 years. Mm. So finished the shoot in L.A. Everything went great. Got in the car, drove up to, to Yosemite get out of the car, okay, at the visitor center. And I'd been in the car for like five hours, so I was a little, and I got out and I tripped. I caught my leg on a curb. I, it was, um, there were some vending machines, so I couldn't really see it. I caught my leg on the curb. I didn't actually fall, but I just caught it in the right way that I tore my calf muscle. Oh, fuck. And I don't know if you've ever done that. Number one, it's the most painful oh. thing in the world. Number two, you can't walk. I was immediately rendered lame. Uh, and I knew, I knew in that moment that my trip was over. There's no way. So, but what happened in that moment was a very clear thought came into my head. And that thought was, now you can write your book. <laughs> now, nice. I had been thinking about writing this book for a long time. But at that moment, it was the last thing on my mind. 
It was I mean, the universe was, telling you, you're going to stop and you're going to write your book. <laughs> uh, you know, I call it, a, a, David, I call it a moment of clarity. You call it, you know, uh, you guys call it what you want. I will say, you know, that moment came and went. I, it's not like I have the universe talking to me all, all the time. But it was very clear. And it, mm-hmm. was, it was because I was in so much pain, but it came through like a laser. And that night when I got to the hotel in, in Yosemite, I started writing the book. And for the next nine months, I worked on it every day, got it done, published it in October of 2019. And then what happened was I wanted to do the audiobook. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have experience doing video production, um, but not really. I know a little bit about audio production. So I, so I said I'm going to do it. And it was really important for me to do it in my own voice. Yeah. And so I started working on that. And it became this huge thing. It was just... I was re-recording it and re-recording it and re-recording it, the whole thing. And then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, my business stopped. Everything stopped. So now I had nothing but time on my hands. So I started working on the audiobook full-time. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that turned into a second edition. Mm. Because as I, was, as I was reading it, you know, to, I was seeing, oh, I want to change this. I want to change that. So I'm actually just about to finish the audiobook in the second edition of the book, which should be out in the oh. next month or so. Okay. And that was because of the pandemic, because I have not been able to, you know, none of us have done much in the last year. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's, that's the, the hidden gem in there. And that's how the book came about. And I'm, I'm glad that you're doing the audio version, because that's generally how I take in any book that I've been reading in the last like three or four years. I, I have an audible yeah, account. Well. No, I, I I can't read. I'm illiterate, but that's okay though because I listen to books and it makes me sound smart because I still you know take them in. I'm like, oh, did you happen to hear this? Or I mean, did you read this? Um, that's that's an amazing story. Way that's that's such a cool way to turn like one of the most horrible things that could potentially happen to somebody in your uh, circumstances, right? Like you're a photographer, you rely on your legs to be able to bring you around, take the photos of all these amazing firework displays and all these beautiful pictures, of the landscapes, uh, the cityscapes, excuse me. And then you you like you said you you became lame by uh, you know unfortunate circumstances and you turn that into the diamond in the rough and i just find that to be so amazing thank you and, and you know what i didn't I, I i for me it was just like it was this in, intuitive knowing it's just i have to do this you know and i have a i you know it turned into it was it was more than six months rehabilitation for my leg so it was a long protracted thing and i wasn't able to work um, so it was very, and being self-employed, you know, I had a little bit of money saved, but so it was a lot of challenges. And, and even now there's still, you know, with the pandemic, my photography business has, has really dwindled. So there's a lot of challenges. And I realize every day I have to choose how I'm going to feel about myself and about my life. Mm-hmm. And mo- much of my life, I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. I spent a, spent a lot of time being jealous of other people who had success um, I was very judgmental of other people, um, you know, all that negative stuff. And I realized that I get to choose every day, you know, how am I going to see myself? How am I going to see the world? How am I going to see other people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hold different life today than I had just even a f- few years ago. Now you, you, um, stated that you've traveled all over the world to take, uh, pictures for this very prominent, uh, fireworks displays. Um, 
is with all your travels, has there ever been something that you really wanted to take a picture of that you just didn't have the means or you didn't have the ability to get to? Is there something that you, you like, that's my bucket list. What's your bucket list of places like a, you really, you, yeah, yeah dream your dream pictures. Where, where are the places you David, really want to take pictures? David, where in California are you? Uh, Southern California. Southern California. Like okay. Orange County area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I lived in L.A. for 20 years, so I'm, I'm familiar with that whole. Um, so my, my bucket is to get back to Yosemite because I never got to take one photo while I was there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you've ever done any um, skyline photos of L.A. I have a few. Um, can I share my screen with you guys or no? Yeah, absolutely. Let me is see. There, is there a way to share? I oh, think yeah. so. I think I can. Um, hold on, let me see if I can. I said yes, even though Tom's the one running tech. I know, right? It's <laughs> such a horrible decision on Alex's part to have me run tech. I was trying to see if I can give you the give you the power, give you the power. Um, it looks like I can. So let me okay. see if I could find, please, what I want to share. So wait a second. Give me one second because I wasn't prepared for this. No, you're good. I think you're gonna, <laughs> I think I think you're gonna like this, David, and see if you recognize it. Like I wanted to ask you about the LA skyline and then like how what was your trip like to Dubai? Because I've always been really interested in how that how beautiful that place is. Fancy. Fancy with lots of fast cars. That's right. exactly how this trip was to Dubai. Like you're a peasant if you don't drive around on Lamborghini, right? I think so. I think so. I don't think I think they actually give you one when you fly in the airport. They're like, oh, here's Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you guys see this? Let's, let's see. Um, oh, I've got it up. Oh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come back, I'm sure. David, can you, you see it? I can't see it still. I just see uh just you and I on the screen right now. Um Tom went somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty sure he'll pop in again. Don't mind me. I'm just taking myself out of the stream. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. wow. Wow. Is that Dubai? So, no. That's LA. That's a, that's LA? Behind there is Big Bear, right? That's Big Bear, San Bernardino Mountains. Yep. Wow. I didn't, see, if, if you would have not, if I would have never seen this, I would have not known there was a mountain range that close to LA. I always think there of is. it as. Okay. See, this is why Southern California is like a weird fucking place because you could be in Big Bear in the snow and then in less than fucking four hours, you can go in the beaches in Southern California. See, that makes sense because the Hollywood, the Hollywood sign is in the hills and I always just assume that's on, you know, just a hill or something like that. Wow. This is all LA, huh? Wow. Look at that storm coming in. You really are a storm chaser, huh? I had no idea. I froze my ass off that day too. That was one of the coldest days. <laughs> Here in, in California, LA. you cold? No. <laughs> it was freezing that day. Wow, look at these. For anyone that can't uh that's not watching right now and they're just listening, right now we're seeing the, the most beautiful shots and I really recommend yeah. that you go to our YouTube channel or to the website and uh, check out these photos that Peter is showing us right now. They're some mm-hmm. of the most beautiful and breathtaking photos of the LA skyline that I've ever seen in my life. I, once again, I've never seen anything like it. And let me see if I could pull up some. Oh, that one. And no filters, right? This is just pure nature food. Sometimes I use a glass filter on the front of the, of the lens. Okay. But it's not, it's not like an Instagram filter or anything like that. 
And right. what's a glass filter do exactly for a layman like myself that's very unfamiliar with it? There's two, there are two different glass filters that we use. One is called a polarizer. The polarizer will basically accentuate color. Make the so color it makes it more vivid, vibrant. More vibrant, more saturation. And the other is what they call an ND filter, which is kind of like sunglasses for your camera in that it limits the amount of light that comes into the lens. Mm. <clears throat> and by limiting the amount of light, you can do a long exposure. And what happens with a long exposure is anything that's moving during the exposure takes on that surrealistic, that blurry kind of sur surrealistic look. Mm -hmm. So that's the ND filter. Let me see if I can pull up some Dubai shots real quick for you guys. Those were incredible Dubai, fucking photos. Dubai is amazing. So you know the Burj Khalifa? It's the tallest building in the world. It's half a mile tall. It's that uh, rather oddly built one, right? It's kind of like this all around sort of thing, I believe, right? I think. Can you? Not too certain. I remember I've seen a couple photos and like, you know, videos of, you know, places like Dubai and everything, but I'm not familiar with the building's names. Yeah, I'll show you. So this is the Burj Khalifa. Mm -hmm. mm. Very sorry about that, by the way. Um, I, <laughs> my wife's not feeling too great. It's it's really not the day for recording, apparently, because Ooh. my wife's not feeling very good. Um, Alex's wife is having uh, her birthday, obviously, and it was the same day that um, be because we live in such an isolated area. I live around the Canadian border. There's not a lot of stuff around, but we've had recently a very you know, great string of luck with kids moving into our neighborhood, which is awesome. It's, it's one of the greatest things ever. But like I said, yes to both of my kids say to have friends over and yeah, 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 it seems like time. And they're just like, we're coming over too. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's not going to work for dad. But Ari said, yes. Oopsies. Um, let me add this. Do you want to cut it? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't know. What? So, yeah. That's the building I was thinking of. So Holy yeah, this shit. is the Burj Khalifa. This is the tallest building in the world. It's half a mile tall, guys. Wow. And, <laughs> and it's actually, what's really cool is it's um, the, the side of the building is like a billboard. It's all LED lights. Mm -hmm. So at night, these are some um, sunset. It's got this huge artificial lake around it. Yeah, yeah, but okay. all the all the lakes and everything that are around there, they all, all dug themselves. And it's, it's, it's in the shape of a palm tree, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That, that, that That's actually an island in the ocean. Oh. They oh. created an artificial island that looks like a palm, a palm tree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool. These are some beautiful fucking photos. This is as the sun goes down. This was designed by an American architect, by the way. Ah. So at night they light up the side of the building. Oh, I see it. So it's amazing. And they have all different messages, all different designs, and they play music. And then in the water, there are fountains. Mm -hmm. So you, it's hard to see there, but there are fountains at the base of that of the building that go oh, in I sync. See, yeah. They go in sync to the music. It's really mm -hmm. spectacular. Wow. Wow. So how long were That's you there in Dubai? That's a half a mile tall. I went there twice. And oh, what man. I did was I, I photographed the show 
And then I spent a week on my own in Dubai. And again, Instagram, I met these great uh, local Dubai photographers on Instagram. We hung out. They took me around. They showed me the city. Wow. That's really cool. That's it. That's the beauty of social media. <laughs> they are breathtaking. I'm, I'm not going to kid you, Peter. Like, yeah, I, it's amazing that you know it's always cool to hear the transformation of people and how they go, go from being yeah, how they go yeah. from being one thing to another and this is just one of those stories that I couldn't be more thankful for you to tell us because you know you don't have to be who you think you should be you don't have to be what you are you can always be whoever you want to be and you're just one of those you know prime examples of that and I got to ask you because it's my favorite question to ask um, our guests. Um, and I always should do it at the beginning of the interview, but I always save for the end because I'm a gluttony for pun for punishment. I'm a glutton for punishment. Excuse me. Um, so obviously we see who you are. We heard about who you were. What'd you want to be when you were a kid? I, it's like you the know, toughest question I, for the interview. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I, know. I, I think it was, you know, every kid wants to be a baseball player, fireman, um, I got into, my dad was really cool. He owned a motorcycle shop on Long Island. So I got into motocross wow. when I was pretty young. Oh, that's I awesome. A, I wanted to be a motocross ride, you know, stuff like that. But uh, guys, honestly, I went to law school because I didn't want to get a job after college. You know, I, <laughs> I never had these, I never had these grand ambitions until, you know, I made that career transition in 2009 and I realized, wow, you know, I have a passion for this. You got to remember all the photos you just looked at. I've never taken a photography class. I've never taken an art appreciation class. I don't know anything about that. Mm. Everything I know I've learned from doing, you know, mm. and just challenging myself and trying new things and, and all of that. So, so that's been my passion. And now I got to be honest, this is my passion. You know, I want everybody to have the life that they want. And, right. and, and again, I see it in so many people. I have met so many talented photographers and artists and all that who don't believe in themselves, you know, um, and, uh, and they're afraid, they're afraid to show their work. They're afraid to put themselves out there. So, and you know what? It's not just photographers. It could be, you could be a mathematician. You could be, you know, whatever, you know, hmm. I don't want people to hide their light under that bushel anymore. I want people to shine, to show who they really are and pursue what matters to them because that's how we touch other people. You should have that on bumper stickers, sir. I'm not going to lie. That, that is some of the yeah. most inspirational <laughs> thing. That, and I hope everyone takes that into their hearts a little bit today and takes that into their minds. Oh, yeah, about that. Um, Peter, we are unfortunately running up on our time, my good sir. Um, can you please tell everyone how they can keep track of you, where they can find your book, your website? Give us, give us the whole spiel, my friend. Give where us can your they Instagram find you? as well. Yes, please. Yeah, most, most importantly is the website. It's BeBiggerToday.com. B-E-B-I-G-G-E-R mm. -E -E Today dot com and we will uh sorry i was about to say we will post a link to that um when this episode right. gets released so if you guys really want to check out his book and i definitely recommend you do so um you can click on the link that's below and there will be on the home page there's a link to the the online workshop every wednesday night so you just okay. click on that it's totally free to register it's zoom you know if people don't want you can hide your camera if you want if you're shy or whatever and just listen uh, you can also watch old, you know, past workshops every week. You know, I, I update it so you can watch them. If you want to see my fine art photography, it's my name, Peter Alessandria Photography, all one word. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully you guys have a link for that. Um, yeah. Instagram is the same, at Peter Alessandria. Um, 
Facebook, again, at Peter Alessandria. Um, I don't do Twitter. Uh, and then I have a YouTube channel, although the YouTube channel is mostly stuff from the book. So okay. just actually go to BeBiggerToday.com or go to Peter Alessandria Photography, and you can actually just Google my name. It'll all show up. Wow. Peter, thank you so much for coming in today. It's it's been such a great conversation. I, I love meeting yeah. people like yourself, the people that, you know, kind of like took their passion, make it happen, and that should be on a bumper sticker as well. I'm gonna be rich. Um <laughs> and I just want to thank you for your time. And I, you know, I just want to say thank you for being you, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh Peter Alessandria. Thank you guys. And likewise, Tom, I just want to acknowledge you and Alex. You know, I see you guys are you know, you're, you're doing your passion and, and I've, I've been catching up on your uh, interviews the last few weeks and I really enjoy it. Thank we you very much. I, I really appreciate that. And you were very well versed in the episodes and I was like, all right, the guy actually listened to it. Right. Cause some people are like, Oh, I'm familiar with you. You did a couple things or something. I'm like, yeah, we did, I guess. I don't know, but you actually could, you know, verse exactly what we did. So thank you very much, Peter. And I appreciate you, man. And once again, yeah. um, please, if um, you ever start when, once everything opens back up and you start making trips again, we, we really want you to come back on. Cause I know Alex is missing out on an opportunity that he just relishes and he, this is his bread and butter. He is this type of, guy and i'm sure he's gonna be kicking himself when he hears this interview he's like i missed that i missed that <laughs> tom why didn't you ask this question what are you doing but in a very british back. way i'll come back anytime you want david great to meet you it's uh, great meeting you peter sure, make sure you send me your information for your son yes i will do that as soon as it's over um, uh, peter i just right. want to wish you the best of luck and once everything opens up man i wish you you know keep doing what you're doing and i hope everything turns out well for you thank you yes. likewise all right. Um, so me and uh, David are going to continue on for a couple more minutes and just uh, geek out and talk for a few. Um, but everyone, ladies and gentlemen, Peter Alessandria. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Peter. Hey guys, welcome to the Later Lounge. Why don't you sit on back in your easy chair, get yourself a drink, light yourself a joint, because we are letting our hair down. In fact, I recommend you do that right now, David. Let your hair down. Show the guys what we're doing. Should the ponytail? Yeah, yeah, See? take that down. Wave that mane of yours in the... <laughs> There we go. Now that our hair is let down, guys, what an exciting interview that was. Like, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me when you think something is going to be like something, right? Like, I had no idea what this interview was going to be like, and I had no idea what kind of person Peter was going to be. But then you end up getting this amazing, reassuring breath of fresh air that, you know, even if you don't believe in yourself, as long as you put in a little bit of effort and you really just, you know, put forth the energy, man, you can become a, an award winner of Peter's caliber. So it's, it's always a great thing to see. Um, David's lighting up a cigar. So don't worry about that. Uh, nope. Um, I got kids around about, nope. Um, sorry about that, guys. Um, what, what the weekly kid interruptions? The weekly kid interruptions. That's what happens when my daughter and my son are trying to get my attention. Um, so that was obviously an amazing interview. And once again, Alex is gonna be kicking himself for the fact that he missed it. Uh, tch, what a loser hanging out with his wife, right? David went away, so it's just me. That's okay, though. Um, so let's think here. What have I been up to this week? Okay, oh, okay. there he is. Yeah, you're back. Um, how you been? How you been, David? I'm doing good, man. That interview was very uh, wholesome and shit. Oops. You did exactly right. You took yourself out of the interview because obviously, there? 
Yeah, I'm still here. You there? God damn it. Sorry, dude. My I'm outside and my inner my Wi-Fi is like fucking up. Shit. Yeah. That's okay though. It's not big. We're still good. We're still good. Oh, fuck. Um <laughs> everything's falling apart now. We need Peter back. I know, right? Peter Peter with his two cameras can make our show look far better than it really is. Um what have you been up to this week, David? Other than being sick as hell yesterday? Yeah, what was that all about? I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and I had a really bad reaction, I guess, to it. And man, I was just fucking miserable the whole like night. Couldn't then I couldn't sleep the other night. I just just fucking in pain, constant pain. See, that's that's crazy because I literally have just been reading all about that on the news about how people have been having these really severe reactions to um, to the Johnson Johnson vaccine. So since you we have uh, eyes or at least needles in the skin, tell me what what were you feeling, man? So it started off kind of slow. I got maybe about like an hour of sleep, and I kind of you know um, somewhat woke up like in that semi conscious like state. I could mm-hmm. feel my body getting stiff and achy, which was like, you know, you, you get used to that when you're sick. I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. And I just try to roll over and try to go back to sleep and ignore it. But mm-hmm. it just kept progressively getting worse and worse and worse as it out, as it pre- like went on. I started getting the stiff and achy and I started shivering uncontrollably for no fucking reason. I was like hot and cold. I just could not stop shaking. I was getting these painful really cold chills that went all throughout my body every once in a while i was like what the fuck is going on and i kept tossing and turning because i could not find a comfortable position to just sleep in so that's what made my body so sore was that constant just shivering like tensing up and tossing and turning and i fucking you know it was just so goddamn miserable dude at one point my lungs got really cold for some reason i'm like what the fuck is going on dude Wow, dude. See, my wife's been uh, really comp- not not in a bad way, not in a way of like oh complaining, but she's been you know really hurting from her shot, and it's just crazy because this is like one of those things that people were talking about, right? They're like, I don't want to get the shot because the ill affects this, and people were having, you know, f- for the most part, fairly positive. Um, uh, they were having positive uh, experiences with the whole thing. So the fact that you, you know, someone that we know about and care about, had this reaction to it is really kind of. Like sad. Are you going to get the second one? I will, the Johnson Johnson is only one shot. Oh, yeah. Shit. So I guess like it, for, for me, my initial thought was like, wow, that's pretty convenient. I only go have to go in once and that's it. But then after dealing with that, the fucking, you know, the reaction, I'm like, yeah, I probably would have went in for just two <laughs> shots instead. Fuck this, dude. Would you have taken it in your ass? Like not in the butthole, but if they would have said, hey, David. On your ass cheek? The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the tetanus shot that's, or something. Yeah, tetanus shot. You get a tetanus shot in your ass? I thought so. If I'm not you mistaken, get it in your I... arm. Do you? Are you? Yeah, left arm. What shot am I thinking about they give you in the ass then? It was vaccines when we were kids. You remember? I remember when I was a kid, I got my vaccine shots in my ass. Those was, that a back, was that a doctor's office or a back alley? Doctor's office. Back alley oh, okay. doctor's office. Health care is not existent here in America. Dr. Trenchcoat was always so gentle with me as a lad. <laughs> oh, shit, Here's man. a lollipop. <laughs> this tastes like a lollipop. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, um, I, I have a real, uh, I have no problem with shots. Like, um, um, for the longest time, I was a really big dude. So, like, my veins aren't really easy to access. And if anyone knows anything about me, 
I had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 16, so I'm very used to having the needle in my skin. Oh, and I would get the uh, the butterfly needle. Are you familiar with those? Are a butterfly needle? No, I've yeah. never heard. Of so that. it's it's a very thin little needle, but it's it's made for going into things like your hands. And I insisted upon them giving me my shots and giving me uh, my IVs and everything through my hands for the longest time. And my hands look like they're you know junky or something. I don't know, but it's, it's all good. So I, I don't have a problem with needles, but I never had one in the ass that I remember. I don't know. I remember you know, yeah, getting, it was like, uh, just like, yeah, vaccines or whatever fucking shots I were that you need when you were a kid. Um, I like, did, did you get, do we get chicken pox vaccines? Like, did we get those? Or, Cause I remember having chicken pox kid. I don't think there's a vaccine. I'm not sure if there's a vaccine for chicken pox. They always tell you that you should get them. For whatever fucking reason. Yeah, I remember getting chicken pox as a kid. Yeah, I, I have a chicken pox scar on my face. And it like and my mom's always like, yeah, there's one like uh like right here on the side of my nose is like this little crater type deal hmm. going around. I'm sure if you had chicken pox, David, there's a like even though it might be very uh, minuscule, I bet you you have one as well that you just probably never even noticed. It's probably yeah. where Dr. Trenchcoat stuck that needle all the time. He's like, here's your chicken pox scar. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, so how was so you missed out on the weekly bazaar yesterday? Who uh, who ran that? Alex ran it, and I think oh what, what's her name? Uh, Oler Ore, Ore, yeah Ore. She she um stepped in. That's and awesome, uh, Eric Eric Fluga was in there too. Oh, so really? I was watching. Eric? Yeah, I was watching and it was like just like listening and kind of like chiming in here and there. But I was just like in bed in pain. I'm like, <laughs> I was gonna do the show just in my bed. Like yeah. fucking nodding off or whatever, but man, it was, it was, it was painful. David's got a real problem. You see him nodding off over there, fucking yeah, fucking You're like no, dying, like, he's he's on that Johnson and Johnson smack. Like a heroin addict. Uh. My God. Um, let's think what I do today. Um, it's it's nice out for once. You know, we're back up to we've had a couple seven degree weather days, so I've been doing a lot of uh, recording. And I wasn't I wasn't just blowing smoke up Peter's ass when I was saying <laughs> that I have a uh, difficulty convincing myself to you know be more out there and not be afraid to kind of like shove a camera in people's faces when I do things. So mm-hmm. I, I I have all this footage now, and I just got to figure out what story I'm going to tell with it. And I, I, I'm working on my way. So don't worry, guys. Like, I, I am going to have the footage. I, I've been shoot, I have at least an hour and a half, almost two hours worth of footage. So I just got to like take it, trim it up, turn it into something that's actually watchable. And then I'll, you'll be able to see what it's like to live in Vermont. And David, I'd really like it if you do something similar because you live in one of the greatest states in the world. You don't have to do it all the time, but if you could kind of showcase like where, you know, David comes from, I'd love that. And I'm sure everybody else would too. Well, I mean, now that I got the vaccine, I guess I could start going places a bit more. Yeah. But at the same time, I always get weirded out, dude. I don't even like taking out my phone, like, out in public. I don't, I just get weird. Like, taking photos, I get weirded out that people are going to, like, what the hell is this guy doing taking photos of? Like, you know, being one of those, like, Instagram influencers and shit like that. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to <laughs> look like that. Like, please don't look at me. He's a snitch. Get him. Yeah. Something's wrong with this guy. <laughs> Who's he amazing. talking to? The person on his phone? Is that the feds? Are you a fed boy? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, why are you talking with a southern accent? This is so confusing to me. <laughs> oh, my God. So now, now that you've had your vaccine, what is the, like? What was the first thing are you going to go and do? Because, I mean, California is on pretty serious lockdown still, right? Um, most of California is on pretty serious lockdown. There's a couple of counties that I think they kind of like to let it decide up to the county sheriffs. Like, what are you going to do? You know, like, yeah. 
um, whether or not they're going to, you know, loosen up the restrictions or whatever. Mm. But I think for what I really wanted to do was just hang out and see my boys again, like go drinking and stuff. So, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, like, that's not me though. Like tonight we're going to go to a, uh, we're going to go to a little party after my wife gets up. We're going to go to uh, one of her um, old friends slash coworkers is having a, a surprise birthday party for, for his girlfriend. And I think we're going to escape the house for a few minutes and go have a few drinks. I'm going to get really stoned, mind you, because I don't really, <laughs> I don't really drink. I still got, um, I still have my bottle of uh, uh, Johnny Walker black that I've had for like since Christmas. And wow. I, I got, yeah, I got like this much. I'm not a, I'm not a big drinker. I don't know what changed from when I was 21 to now, but somewhere along the line, I was like falling asleep. Cause that's my thing is I always fall asleep. Like the moment I'm like, really, I start catching a really good buzz. I'm like, good night, night time. Yeah. You get like cozy, you get comfortable. It's like, mm, relax and pass out. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a awake type of dude. If you get my feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> my man. Um, fuck, dude. So um did you see uh Godzilla versus Kong yet? Not yet. I actually wanted to see it because I think we have HBO Max. Is that how it oh, works, yeah. right? You could just stream it like fucking Fuck yes, you can. And they have uh the new Mortal Kombat that's coming out on that. HBO Max, dude, for a platform that was, you know, nothing I had any interest in whatsoever. Like literally, I was I was not going to get HBO Max. Um, they just been like pumping out the content so in your face that I've had no choice but to keep it. And initially I was gonna I was gonna uh, get it for a month so I could watch uh King Kong versus Godzilla. And then they're like Mortal Kombat next month, bitches. I'm like, oh. Well, I better Might keep well it for another it. month. Then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And before you know it, they're gonna have all my fucking money. So good, good pull, <laughs> HBO Max. Good, good, dirty trick. Um, How much David, is it for you a month? I think it's like it's not that bad. I think it's like thirteen, fourteen, something like that. It's it's eleven, maybe. I think it's like I don't know. It's it's in it's past ten, but it's worth it. Trust me. Especially maybe you should wait for uh for Mortal Kombat to come out, so then you can watch them both in the same month, and then you can just pew, piss it out. Well, I think we have HBO Max because we have DirecTV. Oh. So HBO is like it's standard for us. It's like, man. Well, HBO might be, but I don't know if HBO Max is. I don't know if that kind of goes with the same thing. But then again, I don't know anything. Yeah. So um, so uh, what the hell was I about to say? Oh, um, you're, you're a gun fan. Not that you own any in the great state of California. Of but um, um, I'm actually getting a new gun. Okay. Um, I'm going to be, I'm getting a Smith and Weston, uh, bodyguard 380 ACP. It's a personal protection thing. Cause it's, it's weird, right? Is that like semi-auto have, or a revolver. Yeah. Uh, semi-auto. Um, I have this thing about like, as much as I always make fun of people that carry when they're out in public, Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't want to judge anyone or anything, but like when I see a guy, cause in Vermont, it's an open carry state. You can literally just walk down the road with a gun strapped to your side. Nobody says two words to you. Yeah. But when I see those people in Walmart in the stores and stuff, I'm like, what are you doing? You asshole. No one's going to attack you right here. But with that being said, I do have this like unrational fear of traveling without a gun, especially in a car. That's why I like traveling in cars most times, yes. like, you know, road trips and stuff like that. So you can have protection with you. Yes. Um, and, and we're going down uh, south um, after we get the vaccine and everything. Because we're, we're going, going down. Yeah, we're going down south, not to live, just to travel for uh, for a vacation uh, in June. So we're both going to have our vaccines by then. So it's going to be copacetic. But like, I don't 
like the idea of traveling the long highway, going down roads, you know, in the middle of the night, because we don't travel during the day, David, primarily when we do it, because we have all three kids in the back of the car. We don't want to like hear, oh, we need to stop for the bathroom. Oh, we got to do this. We just let them sleep. So we'll travel late at night. I'll uh, Mm -hmm. stay awake. And um, we'll just travel the whole time. Everybody be asleep. And then by the time we get there, everyone's fucking ready, ready and rearing to go. But I don't like stopping places without knowing that I can't protect my family. So this is where the 380 ACP comes in because right. it's it's small enough that I can keep it on my person without, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an asshole. I'm not going to walk in the store and be like, hey, where are the Cheetos at in the bang energy drink? Put it in the bag. Put it in the bag. Here's your change. Fucking, I'm not that guy. Like, you yeah. would never know I was having, I had a gun on me until, you know, unless something bad was happening. But that's that what I, that's what I would be like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm getting it. And that first, the wife is like, well, do we, we don't really don't need it. We can bring the shotgun. I was like, we're going to bring the shotgun. We're just going to throw me, that's it in the, back. In the truck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not. You're riding shotgun. That's what we call it. That's why we call it riding shotgun. You're holding that while we're driving. She's like, we don't ever, we've never traveled with a gun. I was like, uh, what happened when we traveled to Florida? We had a gun. Yeah. We had the Walther with us the whole time. Oh yeah. What about the last time we went to North Carolina? Oh yeah. We had the gun. I was like, yeah, we have not traveled down South without a gun. There's this company that I follow on Instagram. It's they specialize in making like essentially gun safes inside your car. Mm-hmm. So they really? cut out like you know the back seat. It the you know where you sit your ass down. It opens up and it's actually like a fucking full on vault. Like mm. opens up your guns are in there, all the shit you need in there. It's it's fucking and they do this like for any fucking car. They have like trucks. They anything you have. They you any design you want kind of thing. Like uh, like uh, those uh, campers, the flatbed itself is like an entire vault that just you know pulls out like a drawer. Hmm. That's so I'm like, holy, yeah, I, I would like to get something like that for the car and like you know have I mean, I, what I, I can. Kind of like I kind of like the uh, the Jay Z thought of it all, where I'm like, well, my glove compartment's locked, and so is the trunk in the back, and I know my rights, so you're gonna need a warrant for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly dude i was like looking up laws and shit i'm like all right speaking of cops speaking of famous rappers avoiding cops dmx died right dude that's fucking i thought he was okay i thought he got out of the hospital no the only thing he escaped from was the mortal coil he's dead <laughs> he's gone man that fucking sucks at 52 I mean, yeah. like, he was 50 years old man i mean like fuck <laughs> apparently Jesus the last God. one that x was going to give it to was himself yeah he got somebody X'd posted, out, man. Yeah, he did. Somebody posted that. Was that you? Mm-mm. No, okay. It was somebody clever. I assumed it was you because you're always the quickest with your memes. Um, they, and they're like, dude, he hasn't <laughs> died yet. And he's like, man, close enough. <laughs> 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 Fucking sad, dude. What no, was your first, yeah. what was the first introduction to DMX? Uh, obviously, that album where I had, you know, X going to give it to you. Yeah. Because at, at the was- time, yeah, my sister was always listening to that shit. So I was like, okay, got to listen to it now, too. But. That's the one with um. I just love when a, you can bring a whole crew, just a bigger piece of kit for me to chew a hole through. <laughs> yeah, he's a great rapper, man. Shit, dude. He really was. Um, but the, unfortunately, like later on in his career, he got really kind of homophobic. I didn't dig that too much. I'm not even like a super PC guy, but like, there's a way to rap about you know um, homosexuality and have it be you know entertaining. And there's a way to rap about it where you're just kind of being obnoxious. And I feel like he made a turn into that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with his uh, later work, but it. Um, I'll I'll find the link to the song, but it, it literally said something along the lines of like, just because I'm you know s- 
uh, doing something with this man. I'm not sucking his dick. I'll send you the link. It, it's uh, wow. it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Oh, come on. Or Rough Riders. <laughs> um, David, I got to say, dude, as much fun as I am having right this second, uh, my kids are driving for my attention. They're destroying okay. my house after I cleaned it up. Um, dude, it, yeah. you were amazing today, David. I got to say, dude, you were just Thanks, so engaging dude. and I really appreciate you stepping up to the bat and just filling in for our, our long lost captain who was, you know, is off making the wife happy dude. So thanks, man. Yeah. I really happy appreciate birthday you. to her actually. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, Kaz. Fucking a. Um, Hey, uh, David, do you, uh, do you want to tell them about what kind of shows we have on? Oh, actually, hold on, let me do this first. Hey guys, we have a website and guess what? It's you suck network.com. And this amazing website is beautiful. It's functional. It is made by the great people over at WebOrchard.com. And let me tell you about WebOrchard.com. They make websites. You might think to yourself, Oh, I'm just going to go to a third party thing and they're, I'm going to make my own website. Cause this can be great. Probably not. It's probably going to be okay. It's going to be there, but it's not going to be the way that you think it's going to be. But guess what? If you hire somebody to do it, if you reach out to the great people at webwatch.com, they are going to build you an amazing website. You, whether you sell things on Etsy, whether you have an OnlyFans, whether you do whatever it is you do where you need an online presence, these are the type of people that you need to have in your life, and they are just going to do everything for you. And it's not even that much money. Trust me. Reach out to webwatch.com and see what kind of deals they can make you. And make sure you mention us. Be like, hey, I heard it from the USUC guys. Um, David, what kind of shows do we have over on the usucknetwork.com? Uh, well, we have the weekly Wednesday Night Live. Yeah. Which we do. Yes. With Alex. And uh, we have the weekly Bazaar, which I believe we're going to start doing it. It's going to be TS and I. Mm. We're going to kind of take over. Yes. Because now Alex has that, you know, he's got to focus on that radio show he's got now. Yes. And also we have the Usuck Chronicles, which is hosted by Jamie Westwood and. Oh, it was by Jamie Westwood and TS or Tom Stevens yes. also. Yes. And, and we of course, have the show. The show. Um, what's the difference with Alan, Tom, and sometimes David Rabbi? Um, <laughs> David, <laughs> again, man, I couldn't tell you how much I appreciate you. I, I really cannot um, express myself in the way that I could to let you know how much I appreciate you. So, Thank hey, you. guys, this has been What's the Difference Podcast. I'm Tom Bruno. I'm David Rabbi. And we fucking love you. Peace out, guys. Love you guys. When it comes to culture either side of the Atlantic, no one does it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you You Sucks What's the Difference podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno.